to the Mankind Podcast. I'm the host, Justin J. Girdler, and I'm thrilled that you are here for a podcast that's all about emotional intelligence, empathy, and kindness, uh, particularly when it comes to helping men practice these things. I'm really excited about today's episode as I got to sit down with Tom Turco, who is a leader in technology sales. You're going to get to hear his personal philosophy on leadership and what he has done to build incredible teams and the journey that that has taken him along. I've known Tom for a number of years and I've always been blown away by the way that he champions for people and is such a strong advocate for others. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Mankind Podcast. Fueled by caffeine and Hank. Yeah, the Be Kind podcast. Uh, Fueled by caffeine and hate. Yeah, that, sounds, that sounds right. <laughs> caffeine right? and hate. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that, I like that. Oh, I probably shouldn't slurp anymore. We'll have to stop that. Hmm? I probably shouldn't slurp the coffee with the microphone on. No, that's fine. It was a good sound effect. We, we, I don't have to add that sound effect now. Oh, okay. That's going to have to add right. this. So people knew so what I mean, was happening. I'm, I'm not used to this glass. I'm still trying to figure out how, how it comes out. That's right, Tom. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling open our notes, but. Um, it's gonna be super easy. All right, this is exciting. A little nervous. A little nervous. What are you nervous about? You know, this one is like the first podcast. Like, I feel like if you screw this one up, there's no coming back. Probably not. No, they'll probably ask me to stop doing this. Yeah. If it goes so badly. now your now your podcast and my podcast are all, li- all tied together in my ability up. to function on a podcast. Tell me about your podcast. I don't have a podcast. Oh yeah. No, I have none. But you just said you had your, your podcast. Any future podcast oh, I may okay. want to have. Yeah. And um, what's that about? I don't know. It would be on leadership, of course. That's the only thing I'm good at. Okay. I like that. I really suck at everything else in life. I'm here with Tom Turco. Good day. Is that the right way to pronounce it? Yes. Turco. Okay. It's, it's not like Italian, Italian sounding Italian last Turcho. name you'll ever hear. No. just means the Turk in just, every romance language. Oh, really? Yep. So does that mean you guys actually hail from Turkey? I'm from Southern Italy, so that's possible. Okay. Um, there are some other inappropriate for the podcast stories that I'll share with you at a later time over drinks. And now your listeners are going to wonder what that means. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we start talking a little bit about you All right. Uh, and kind of your background. Like I want to hear kind of... Yeah, just the basics of, of who you are. Okay. Um, I grew up in upstate New York, about 100 miles from New York City along the Hudson River. Beautiful area. Uh, for those of you that love music, the Woodstock festivals were close by. I get a general idea of where I'm from. Uh, I was a basketball player predominantly. Uh, it's ironic now because I look like an NFL linebacker, um, but I actually didn't play football past the eighth grade. I played tennis and, and basketball growing up. I got exiled to Texas. I had an uncle who were IBMers, so I came to Austin in 1999 for six months. And I'm still here, so that's fun. And um, how long has it been? Twenty-two years now. Okay, yeah, almost yeah, twenty-two years. Yeah, January six ninety-nine. I rolled into town in my eighty-seven Cutlass Supreme. Uh, that's a significant stint. Baby blue. It was awesome. I love that car. Two door. It's a great car. Um. So I'm married. I've got an awesome daughter. She just turned nine. Um. Apparently, the whole family is going to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which was my passion, and uh, and now it's spreading. Um, so yes, I like to fold people up in their clothes. It's a lot of fun. Um, I find, uh, it makes me a better human, which is cool. 
It, uh, it forces you to be comfortable being uncomfortable, and that has a lot of value everywhere in life um, that I've found. And then I, uh, I'm a tenacious fisherman, and because of that, I got into the IT industry. I had a guy that I fished with whose son needed an employee. So I got an IT. I spent a lot of time on Google, worked really hard to understand what it was, but it gave me the ability to um, speak IT to people who didn't understand IT. I could translate back and forth. And, uh, and that led to an opportunity as a sales engineer, which led to an opportunity in leadership. And, and now I lead, I lead people for a living. I lead a team of pre-sales engineers uh, at a company called ServiceNow. Yeah, I'm fairly boring. I just have a general life philosophy of being hard to kill which I stole from a guy named Tim Kennedy. You should check him out if you've never heard of him. We, you know, he's Green Beret, so he tries to be hard to kill from an ISIS perspective. But for me, it's like, you know, cancer, car accident, like be strong, be useful, be, uh, be an asset to society and not a liability. So that's kind of my, my general life philosophy. So I like how you started that sentence with, I'm a pretty boring guy. I just try to make it really hard to kill me. <laughs> well, that's, that's boring. That's you a are, lot of repetition. You are anything but boring, Tom. I mean, one of my ideas of fun is to take a giant cannonball that has a handle on it and swing it around the garage. So, yeah. Uh, I'm into kettlebells. Well, and right before we started the podcast, you made me this incredible cappuccino that you've been like oh, perfecting yeah. the art of over the course of the last year and a half. I have a few things I'm good at. The pandemic was helpful in a couple of them. Um, cappuccinos and ribeye would be the two from the pandemic. But yeah, I, uh, I got the coffee around 38, so I don't drink bad coffee. I only drink good coffee, and I don't have to drink coffee, so it has to be good. Um, I just and drink, and I just drink coffee. I'm a little bit of a snob. <laughs> that was an amazing cappuccino, I do have to say. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, that's actually, I don't really share that with a lot of people, so that's, that's good to hear because yeah. I like it. And... Well, thank you for sharing your, your craft with me this morning. So um, I got a few questions for you yeah. just because i mean you mentioned getting into leadership in kind of software sales getting into leadership is probably a strong word i think i was drug kicking and screaming probably the right way to say that actually yeah so yeah well um, if you'd like to start there let's let's hit it i was working at a startup and i was in charge of all their operations so we had a couple of data centers in austin and we had about 2,000 servers and i had voiced my desire to move up the chain, but I had a flaw in my philosophy. And what happened was my identity was tied to what I did. So who I was, was what I did, uh, which if you're listening to this podcast and that's who you are, is a very, very valuable life lesson. You are not what you do. Who you are is very different. And the faster you can separate those two, the happier you will be. And uh, I was just blessed to do a marathon with a guy who had that figured out. And I spent we were a heavy team, so we were carrying 45-pound packs for this marathon. Uh, it was to honor the soldiers that were left behind in Baton. It's called the Baton Death March Memorial Marathon. It lives up to its name. And uh, I spent a ton of time with this dude training and just realized that, that that was what made him special. That's what made me admire him. But before I figured this out, I wanted to be a manager. I did all the right things for all the wrong reasons. And the guys at the company that I work with saw through that. And when it came time to interview for this role. At the time, I felt like they backstabbed me, but they didn't backstab me. They just told the truth. They just were honest. Um, and, and I was unapproachable because I was arrogant a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So that's also uh, a tough one. But anyway, I, I basically failed miserably and they hired another manager over me. And, and then I decided to become an SE. I had a good wife who I'd met at work who introduced me to SEs to convince me and a good mentor that told me I should go do it. And so when I moved to a company called VMware to be an SE, I just wanted to be an SE. What's an SE? 
Uh, so in t software sales, you have a salesperson, which is traditional, but you can't just like install a server unless somebody tests it. So you have a, what's called a pre-sales. They're either solutions engineer, sales engineer, or solutions consultant, and they are basically a technical pre-sales specialist. We send uh, an individual to be able to have those complicated conversations with the people that will have to install and use the software. Yeah. Um, so it's it's partial sales. I okay. Say. It's it's as far into the dark side as I'm willing to go. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to be the best SE that I could. And after about a year and a half, my uh, my boss at the time and my director were like, hey, you need to take on a team. I'm like, no, 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 I suck as a leader. That failed miserably. I still had scars, like open wound scars. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And they're like, no, 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 you should do that. And you've done a really good job here and we want to replicate that. And we're going to hire five more people. You're not going to own them. They're going to dot a line to you, but you're going to lead them. And I had almost full control in hiring them all. And um, I probably haven't worked harder in my life than I did that first year. But at the end of that year, I had the leadership bug hardcore. And I am very specific about the word leadership. There's a difference between being a manager and being a leader. Hmm. That's when I realized that leadership was my craft, that that's what I wanted to do. And it didn't matter how long it took, that's what I was going to do. And so, you know, fast forward, my boss called me up and he goes, hey, I got good news and bad news. And I'm like, all right, what's up? He's like, the good news is you still have a job. I'm like, that's always good news. That's not expected though. Like, I don't expect to hear that every day. He goes, the bad news is um, that plan I shared with you where they might blow up the team kind of happened. So I, but I was given a choice. So I had this, this field team that I could go to that needed a leader and they they really wanted me and they, they hardcore pressed me. But I was passionate about the cloud because I had previous mm. experience in that space. It was still relatively new, but there was no path to leadership. So I took the role doing the cloud stuff. And then, you know, you talk about, um, you know, for me, it's always like, I see the path that God laid out for me like two years later. And that's my thing. I know it's not everybody's thing, but like for me, that's what happened. I took the right path for the right reasons. And lo and behold, one of the managers on that team left like three months after I moved on to it. And mm -hmm. three months after that, I had my first leadership role. And, um, and then it's been a crazy ride ever since then. It's been a lot of fun. I recently, about two years ago, I left that company and, and went to a new company. And so I'm in the process of, yeah, that's kind of my very long winded leadership journey. Um, but it's it's been an awesome ride, and we can yeah. dive into any areas of that. Yeah, that you no, want to, I want to dive open. in because I got some questions for you. For, so first, for our listeners, I want to make the connection between kindness and leadership. You brought up leadership a couple of different times, and that's who you are. And, but for you, you went through, like you said, you went from the state of like uh, maybe what you would define more as a manager, like uh, you are what you do, as opposed to who you are. And you were kind of issuing a nice, a, a good warning for people who, who don't have that delineated to like, hey, figure that out and you'll be happier. So what's the thing about kindness in that whole process? Like, I mean, we were talking before we jumped on the show about just how you, even you were leading somebody recently who she felt seen by you as a manager, even though you would have given yourself a, a failing grade. Yeah. So in that whole process, if we, if we stay within that beginning journey of your career, like, what, what was it about that, like maybe empathy or in emotional intelligence, things that we would use in the workforce that yeah. would kind of stick out to you as you were learning? So first off, the key to being successful in life is surrounding yourself with people that have a very low bar. That's how I married up. 
Um, that's apparently how I'm successful in leadership. Um, I joke, but there's also something to that. Like you mentioned that story about this, this woman that's come to work for me now. That was really actually sad for me hmm. to hear that because she's been in the industry for a while and to be the first leader that she thought cared about her as a person was pretty interestingly bad. And that is actually in part the difference between a leader and a manager. Managers tell you what to do. Leaders get you to do the right things that are helpful to you that also further the cause for the company you work at. And they get you to do that. They get you to want to do that and not, they don't use power to have to do that. And, and really to me- Is that the, what you used to do? I mean, you mentioned the, the team that well they told the truth about you and it wasn't, it wasn't all- It was the intention behind it, yeah. right? They saw an arrogant guy who just wanted to move up and who didn't really care for them. So even though I did the right things behind closed doors and I took care of them from, uh, you know, we work weekends and nights, this was an IT job, so you can't fix anything when everybody else is working. You have to fix it when everybody else is sleeping. And, you know, they just saw the intentions behind where I was going and, and they didn't like that. And, and then I, hmm. you know, I'd be honest, I didn't, I don't like that part of me either, that person that I was. Uh, that's why I'm not that person anymore. Um, when you decide that you want to be a leader, uh, you know, for me, it's really simple. Within the confines of the industry that I have, I have three priorities. And those three priorities are develop the team, run a proper business, and serve your customers. And I'll give like a quick definition of those. The develop the team's pretty self-explanatory. It's about the people. And that's priority number one, and it trumps every other priority. Mm. Number two, running a proper business. Like in my world, I have a counterpart that leads sales, and we have a number just like any salespeople, even though there's two of us driving to that number. So that's about being a good partner to them and being in line and helping make them better and their team better. And then number three is like representing the customer, solving the problems. One of the things that draws technical people who are more extroverted to the SE world is you get to go in and solve these problems for a customer. No matter how expensive or complicated that is, our job is to find the most efficient path to success for the customer. When I figured that out is when it really accelerated for me. But I, the people are first. And, and the reason the people are first as a leader is because you can't do everything, right? I can't, yeah. I can barely, and barely is a good word, manage my own life. I don't have time to manage somebody else's. And so the concept of micromanagement, which managers often fall into, is done through insecurity and through a lack of ability to develop their talent that they have on their team. And, and that's not their fault. There's no like leadership 101. Like I have had a couple of good leadership courses in my lifetime, but like they give you a little bit of training when you're a manager about what you should do, not how to do it. And then they leave you alone until you become a VP. And then you get a, like a life coach and all this other stuff because they yeah. want to be polished. It's like in the middle, you got to figure it out on your own. And, and what I figured out is the best way for me to be effective is to up-level the entire team. And I don't even have to up-level the team. I just have to create the space for them to do it. Huh. Right? So I have to create the space for them to do it and the knowledge to know that I support that. Right? That's what I was missing at the other role. It was about me and who I was. It's not about them and who they are. Yeah. Now, I'm guilty as everybody else. I'm human. And sometimes it becomes about me and my career and what I'm frustrated with and what's not happening that I want to happen on my timeline. But I can still be a pretty good leader now because I have reps and experience. But the difference is the amount of mental and emotional energy that I have to use to be that leader when I'm focused on me versus when I'm focused on them. Hmm. So a lot of managers, like when something goes wrong, let's say an employee 
screw something up, right? Yeah. A lot of managers will be like, I got to deal with what you did wrong and I got to fix you so you never, whatever it is, like make that mistake again, embarrass the team, whatever. How do you use kind of your three buckets to deal with problems that an employee... Oh, yeah, so it's not if you don't need the three buckets. It's actually the process within hmm. um, within the develop your team bucket. So your job is to develop the team. That's not mean you sit back and have lattes and mai tais and off they go and you hope they figure it out. Yeah. The goal of an individual contributor who works for me is to drive revenue because we're in a sales organization and to make me more effective. And it hmm. sounds arrogant when I say make your manager more effective, but that is part of their development. So hmm. the more effective they are, the more things that I can delegate to them. Yeah. The more things that I can delegate to them, the more effective I can be to the people above me, the more useful my team is to the organization in general, and the safer, the better performing that we are, and the faster people develop. And so to get to that point through leadership in developing your team, it's not just making them technically proficient in a set of software or sending them to some online training that makes the company produces that does that. There's a process. And so the process that I use is it's, it's, it's feedback, coaching, and career development. Hmm. And I genuinely want these people to succeed. I want to help them find it. And the earlier they can find it, the happier they'll be in life. And hmm. so coaching is this thing that happens all the time. Like, hey, Justin, when you thumped the microphone, the audience cringed and we lost 30 seconds of, you know, what could you do differently? That's a simple question. It's a dumb thing, but we're sitting here, I'm looking at a microphone, right? So, yeah, yeah. so coaching has to happen and it ha- has to happen immediately, right? And then feedback, that's where you get into, and, and people mix those two words together. They're different. Just like hmm. manager and leader are different. Coaching and feedback are different. Feedback is, is that time. Now, now we're getting into the situation where you hear psychologists talk about the five attaboys for every bad thing that you do. And that is very, very important, but, but you have to build a relationship and trust first. And so Hmm. the way that I do that as a leader is I will start only with things they do good. And unlike coaching, which has to be done, feedback is always asked and accepted. Hmm. So if I want to give you feedback, I have to ask you if you'd like feedback. Now, if you say no enough times, I have to coach you on why that's a bad decision. Now I can't help develop you, but nobody really does that because most people really do want feedback. They just never get it. And so for a good three to six months, I try and make the feedback really positive, only Mm. positive, right? Only positive feedback. Hey, you ran this program, the way that you ran this worked really well. Keep doing that to the point that you're like screaming at me for something negative. Yeah. And then I don't tell you everything that you do wrong. Then I look at that. And we, we have to have career conversations. So I always have a one-on-one that's the time for my team on a weekly basis, but these career conversations have to happen separately. Sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't. Yeah. When I have a picture or when I've helped you develop a picture of where you want to go and what you want to be and what you want to do, then I look at that and go, what's the one thing that would accelerate them? What's the one thing we could work on that would accelerate them in mm. the direction that they want to go? And then I use the feedback to work on that thing at a time, one thing at a time. Yeah. Because most people can focus on one thing at a time to do better. And and I found in my life that I don't even have to focus, like for me personally, if I want to change something about me, I don't even have to like focus on it well. I just have to acknowledge it and I have to be intentional about it. Yeah. Years ago, I went through a leadership training course when I was leading that team of people that didn't report to me. I you know, the company had this amazing training course and I took this emotional intelligence survey 
And I had to send out all these questionnaires to these people that I work with. And I only had like a handful of them that I really knew. I was kind of new to the job. I didn't, I didn't really know you could send it to people outside the company. Like I didn't really know what to do. I was like, all right, I'll just go send it to this, this group of people. And I had to fill it out on my own. And I got the results. And my estimation of my emotional intelligence was way higher than everybody else's estimation of my emotional intelligence. Like way, way higher. Like the gap was huge. And I was mad. I was offended. Um, and I was like, what is this? And, and that could have been the end of it right there. I could have been mad and offended and said, these people don't know what they're doing. Screw them. I'm out. And I could have taken myself out of the game. Um, but for whatever reason, this time I didn't. And mm. I, 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 I had a good enough relationship with a couple of them that I could ask them what they meant. And I talked to them and I understood the problem. And, and one of the things that I had done just incidentally was I have to some, I'm a talker. Like it's obviously clear we're sitting on a podcast and I haven't shut up. Um, <laughs> I like to talk through problems. So hmm. in a crisis, I want to talk to people. I want a little bit of process and a little bit of data. Hmm. That's how I solve problems. I need to talk it out and then I'll make a decision. That's going to be good. I decided that rather than be mad about that, I should work on that. Hmm. And I didn't even work on it particularly well. But over the course of several years with a little bit of intention, I fundamentally changed not only the way I thought, but the way I interacted with people and the way that I set the stage for how I would interact with them. So little things in my emotional intelligence improve so much, um, not only just my awareness of others, um, and, and this is a really critical part to being able to be kind, because if you don't know yourself and you don't understand other people, you can't, re it doesn't matter how kind you are, you're, it's kind of useless. Yeah. Um, and so you are responsible for you and you can't lead anybody else until you can lead yourself, at least adequately, right? If you can't lead yourself, you certainly can't lead other people. I'm on the adequate stage for myself personally, just so we're clear on where I sit on that one. But um, coaching, feedback, career development, those are things that exist everywhere. How you define them is up to you. How you do them is up to you. But you have to figure out how to do them successfully. And I know if you're a leader out there, you probably weren't told by any company how to do that because they're really light on how to do that stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe you got lucky like I did and you had a couple of good mentors that helped you facilitate um, facilitate that and, and pick up that stuff. The other thing is, if you're going to choose to be a leader, you have to define who you are as a leader. I have interviewed a lot of candidates, um, a lot of candidates for leadership positions on my team. I'm in that, that space now in my current career, and not one of them really answered that question well. And when I was going through that process, I realized how I got the job I currently sit in. And that was because I was very clear about that. I knew exactly that is who I was. And I could tell you, hey, if you're looking for a technical player coach, I'm not your person. And that's okay. Like, we'll yeah. just stop it here and you go find that person. This is who I am. And if you want this, this is what I offer. But define who you are as a leader and then go apply it and then go do that 1% and be 1% better every day. And, and you'll figure out who you are and your philosophy and, and it'll go crazy, man. It'll take off and you'll be really rewarded. Yeah. Well, I know we got we to gotta wrap up today, but gosh, Tom, it's been awesome. It's and been great, Matt. Thank I, you so I'd much. love to do this again, man. I want to hear kind of even what the next journey is going to look like, what the next season for you. I mean, I'm game, but I think you should let your listeners dictate whether they want to hear from me anymore. <laughs> again, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I really enjoyed being here. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, it's man. my first one, so hopefully it went well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do it again. All right. 
Well, I don't know if you could tell, but Tom and I had an awesome time hanging out together and really digging into his story and how he shows up with kindness in his workplace. Hey, the Mankind Podcast exists for exactly what Tom said right there, which is to help men practice things. Oftentimes, these skills are seen as soft skills. I'm putting quotations around that. And nobody is really spending the time to train and develop in those areas. And so you have to take ownership. You have to create your own deliverables and your own metrics for yourself until you become a VP, like Tom said, and then they want you to be polished. But between now and then, how are you actually measuring success in the areas of emotional intelligence and empathy? That's what this podcast is all about. And it's important work. Hey, if you believe in the work that we're doing, we'd love for you to support it. And you can simply do that by hitting subscribe on this podcast and leaving a comment and a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Again, I'm Justin J. Girdler. Thank you for joining us on the Mankind Podcast.